0: Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. As we closed last week's broadcast, we were just beginning to look at how marriage reveals God's forgiveness. Forgiveness lies at the heart of marriage. Two imperfect people living together, day after day, stumbling over each other, are bound to cause pain, sometimes innocently, sometimes not. And if forgiveness is not given to cleanse the marriage soul, condemnation hovers over the relationship. Resentment piles on top of resentment until we blame our partners not just for their wrongdoing, but also for our failure to forgive them. The parrots call this a red-light danger zone. Human forgiveness was never designed to be given on a grand scale. Forgiveness in marriage can only heal when the focus is on what our spouses do, not on who they are. Partners forgive best for specific acts. Trying to forgive carte blanche is silly. Nobody can do it but God. The parrots say that we overload the circuits of forgiveness when we try to forgive our partner for not being the sort of partner we want him or her to be. There are other means of coping with this—courage, empathy, patience, and hope. But for mere human beings, forgiveness in the grand manner must be left to God. For it is God's forgiveness that empowers our ability to forgive the relatively small things— No minor miracle in itself. Every couple needs to forgive. When we forgive a partner, we are revealing God's love to him or her, free from condemnation. Human forgiveness magnifies divine forgiveness. Now, I know that all sounds good, but let's be honest. When someone hurts us, at some level, we want them to pay for what they've done and most often we choose to take our revenge by refusing to forgive the other person. But the irony and truth is that unforgiveness only hurts the person who refuses to forgive. It has been said that not forgiving is like taking poison in hopes the other person will die. Forgiveness is not optional for the man or woman of faith. Right after teaching the Lord's Prayer to His followers, Jesus said in Matthew six fourteen and 15, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Forgiveness isn't optional. What happens to us emotionally if we don't forgive? We become bitter. And bitterness in a marriage is a relationship killer. The first thing to understand about forgiveness is that it is an act of the will. It has nothing to do with your emotions. You may feel the emotional pain of what your spouse did to you till the day you die, but it has nothing to do with forgiveness. Secondly, forgiveness has nothing to do with erasing your memory. You may remember what your spouse did to you till the day you die. Forgiveness is simply this a decision to let it go the greek word that translates to forgiveness is afi ami which literally means to send off to release or to let go this means forgiveness is the act of sending away incidents that cause offense to brew in us it means we can't keep focusing on the wrong done to us forgiveness is an act this is an example of forgiveness I forgive you. I will never use it against you in the future. I will never speak of it again to you or to anyone else. When you forgive, you decide to release the person from his or her guilt, period. You may remember the offense repeatedly at first, and that's okay. The commitment to forgive a person is a commitment to send away the incident every time it reappears in your mind. Remember Jesus instructed Peter to forgive daily and multiple times daily? This is an important concept for us. When your spouse does something that really hurts you, you will naturally think about it over and over again. Each time the thought comes, practice the principle of forgiveness. Give it over to God. The choice to forgive means we keep forgiving. Over time, you will find the incident losing strength. Mark Gunger says that forgiveness has more to do with your tongue than your head or your heart. According to Mark, if you're still talking about what that person did to you, you haven't forgiven him or her. You need to hush. You need to let it go. And the good news is, God will help you do this. According to the parrots, superficiality is the curse of a restless marriage. The desperate need of most marriages is not for more excitement, more glitz, and more activity. The soul of your marriage yearns for depth. At least three classic disciplines of the spiritual life call soulmates to move beyond surface living and into the depths. Worship, Service, and Prayer. In the midst of our normal daily activities, these disciplines have a transforming power to quiet the spirit and nurture a marriage. By the way, these disciplines are not for spiritual giants, nor are they some dull drudgery designed to extinguish all the fun in your life. The only requirement to practice these disciplines is a longing for God to fill your marriage. Some of us are old enough to remember Norman Rockwell paintings on the covers of the Saturday Evening Post. One of those paintings depicts a family on Sunday morning. The husband, unshaven, messy-haired, and ensconced in pajamas and bathrobe, is slumped in a chair with portions of the Sunday paper strewn about. Behind him is his wife, dressed in a tailored suit and on her way to church. The picture is a playful reminder of how important shared worship is to the soul of a marriage. I grew up going to church. It was part of my heritage. Whenever the church doors were open, our family was there. Going to church wasn't questioned. It was just something you did. Case closed. But when I got married and moved far away from home, worship was suddenly an option. My wife and I were in a new city faced with the opportunity of establishing our own routines and weekly patterns. We were in a position for the first time of parenting ourselves. We chose to continue our patterns of going to church. Shared worship became a systematic time of rest and renewal for our relationship. Singing hymns, learning from Scripture, worshiping God and meeting with friends who shared our spiritual quest was comforting and inspiring. Worshiping together buoys your relationship and makes the week ahead more meaningful. Research says that worshiping together is a means of nurturing the soul of your marriage. A recent study showed that couples who attend church together, even as little as once a month, increase their chances of staying married for life. Studies have also shown that churchgoers feel better about their marriages than those who don't worship together. When transforming power enters our hearts, it enlarges our capacity to love. There is something uniquely good about reaching out and serving as a team. Almost mystically, it becomes bonding. Reaching out to others promotes humility, sharing, compassion, and intimacy in a marriage. Doing good for others helps couples transcend themselves and become part of something larger. There are lots of different ways to incorporate shared service into your marriage. Whether it be by sponsoring a needy child, opening your home to guests, giving blankets to the homeless, or baking cookies for prisoners, doing good for others is good for marriage. For soulmates, true service is not self-righteous. It is not done for rewards. It's not a big deal. It comes from whispered promptings, divine urgings deep within the soul of your marriage. Another thing about serving together. If all of your service is before others, it will remain shallow. Service is sometimes done in secret, concealed from everyone but the two of you. To secretly observe the results of joint service brings deeper devotion and intimacy. Sociologist Andrew Greeley surveyed married people and found that the happiest couples were those who pray together. Couples who frequently pray together are twice as likely as those who pray less often to describe their marriages as being highly romantic. Interestingly, they also report considerably higher sexual satisfaction and more sexual ecstasy. Les and Leslie Parrott recount the following story of Tom and Kathleen. They attended church regularly. Kathleen sang in the choir. Tom taught junior high Sunday school. Kathleen was in a women's Bible study. Tom was in a men's accountability group. Everyone in their church looked to Tom and Kathleen as dedicated and vibrant spiritual leaders but their five-year marriage was falling apart at the seams. They were over-involved with everything but their marriage and as a result had fallen out of love. The soul of their marriage had withered. Les and Leslie asked them, When was the last time the two of you prayed together? They looked at each other and the answer was obvious. It had been a long, long time. The parents gave them a simple assignment. For the next week, they were to pray briefly together just before going to bed. Five days later, the parents received a call. This is Kathleen. I know this sounds crazy, but our relationship has done it about face. She then told them how spending a moment together in prayer was rejuvenating their spirits and their marriage. The parrots say that no amount of being religious can make up for the time couples spend in shared prayer. But if prayer is so good for a marriage, why don't more couples do it? Because it's not easy. Praying makes us vulnerable, and any time we let our guards down, even with our spouse, it can be threatening. And this is especially true for men. After all, our partner knows firsthand what we are really like. He or she sees us when nobody else is watching. So how can I be completely candid before God with my partner listening in? How can I express my true hopes and fears, my pain, the sins that grip me? Well, our time is gone for today. And as always, I want to encourage you to attend one of the many Bible teaching and believing churches here in the Treasure Valley. Have a great weekend. God bless. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at dot If you know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.